Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life Over Coffee. My name is Rick Thomas, and I'm so grateful that you are here. If you haven't been to our home yet, then I want to welcome you. You have a personal invite from me. You can find us at lifeovercoffee.com. And so if you go to lifeovercoffee.com, you're you're welcome to comment. I, I trust that it will be a huge encouragement to you. And by the way, thank you, Pat, you wrote in today and appreciate your kind note. You like our videos. You enjoy watching them. I'm very grateful that you are benefiting from the videos that we are putting out. Please continue to watch them and and just feel as free as you need to be to share those with others. Stephanie, thank you uh, for also sending a kind note and expressing appreciation for our ministry. I'm glad that you did that. It's very kind. Sometimes people will stop and write a note and just express gratitude. Uh, Thank you, uh, Stephanie, for doing that. And then finally, uh, Brenda, as I was getting ready to do this podcast and this video, uh, I read your note and you said you're new to our community and you're 78 years old. Well, Brenda, you have made it on the video. You've made it on the podcast. And uh, thank you. I'm glad that you have uh, come into our little coffee shop, lifeovercoffee.com. Please enjoy the articles, the videos, the podcasts. We have graphics. There's a lot of stuff there, and I I really want you to benefit. By the way, uh, Brenda or Pat or Stephanie, if you don't have our uh, bookmark, I would love for you to write and tell us where to mail it, and we would love to mail you a a bookmark. Uh, This will actually, uh, I have another motive here. I want you to have the bookmark, Uh, but also uh, it doubles as a prayer card. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, I'm showing it on the video. But if you uh, use it as a bookmark, and then whenever you see it, if you would pray for our ministry, that is the most uh, vital need of our ministry, is that people would pray for it. God has been blessing it abundantly as we wrap the globe with these resources, and for that I'm grateful. But that happens because of prayer, and so we wanted to make a prayer card that would double as a bookmark. And so, uh, Pat, uh, Stephanie, Brenda, if you would like one, please uh, let us know. Bob, yours are on the way. They're in the mail, and uh, they will come to you uh, very soon. Now, there's another, there's a third thing about this that makes it quite creative, is that if you look at the back, there's a QR code here, and if you hold your camera phone over it, uh, it will actually take you uh, to our website, lifeovercoffee.com, and so it, it serves three purposes, a prayer card, a bookmark, and then also it is a business card as well, and so it's really handy, and if any of you, not just Pat, Stephanie, and Brenda, and Bob, uh, but if any of you would like one, just tell us where to mail it, and you can hit the Get in Touch feature in the footer at lifeovercoffee.com, and we would love to drop one in the mail or two in the mail for you, and it would be a joy to do that at no cost uh, whatsoever. Uh, just want to serve you that way. Otherwise, jump over uh, to our sanctification center at lifeovercoffee.com and, and take advantage of all those resources, and they are yours to use personally and also in the lives of your friends. Now, in this particular episode, I want to talk about about Christian leadership, very specifically Christian leadership. 
And this applies to any person who is a Christian. So it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 10 years old and, like, say, listening to the podcast, and you say, well, that would be great, and when I'm 35, I really want to take advantage of what you're saying, Mr. Thomas. Well, no, Mr. Thomas is saying, I want you to take advantage of it now because Christian leadership applies to Christians, and it's not age-restricted. And so if you are a Christian, you are a leader, and so this is vital for you. And so whether you're 10 years old, 15 years old, uh, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a production worker, if you're a preacher or a plumber, it doesn't matter who you are. If you are a Christian, then this applies to you. And what I hope will happen here is that you will spend some time reflecting, assessing yourself. Am I fulfilling the Great Commission of going and making disciples? How am I leading others? And so I want to talk about that. And if you want to read what I'm sharing with you, it is a 2,000-plus word article on our website. It is yours free. And inside that article is a video and a podcast. And so you can read, you can watch, you can listen, please. And then, of course, you can share it uh, with others. And so Pat, uh, Stephanie, Brenda, thank you so much uh, for being part of our community and taking advantage of our resources. Please take this one uh, and share it with others. And again, I've titled it, What is the Litmus Test of Leaders? And so if you think about leadership, building yourself up as a leader, and it takes many building blocks to do that. And let's say it was looking, it looked like a pyramid. What would be the topper? What would be the apex, the crowning point that you would know that you are a mature Christian leader if that pyramid is built and you have this crowning topper right there at the pinnacle? I want to talk about the pinnacle. That's the litmus test of a mature Christian leader. And so I'm going to go ahead and answer the question, what is the litmus test for a leader? And then I want to spend the rest of the time unpacking it, teasing it out, and, and, and coming at it from several different angles. So the question is, what is the litmus test for a leader? What is the thing that makes you a mature Christian leader? I can answer that in one sentence, and it's this. The litmus test for a mature Christian leader is their ability to replicate themselves into someone else. That is the litmus test. Now, you can hear in that the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus said, go and make disciples. The call is on us as Christians to go and make disciples. And when I talk about going and making disciples, I'm talking about copying, replicating, to copy yourself into the life of another person. This is what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Hey, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. And it's important that we understand that there is a sequence here, that there is a linkage Think about the father who stands in the living room and says, Hey, son, I want you to follow Christ. I want you to act like Jesus. But the father doesn't insert himself in that linkage. Well, that would be wrong of that father. 
That is not how discipleship happens. Discipleship happens in a replication model as we export our life with Christ to another individual. So we can't extract ourselves out of the sequence as though our lives does not matter. And so what we want to do is to replicate our lives in other people. Paul said it another way. I mentioned 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. In Philippians 4, 9, he said it this way, all the things that you've heard from me, seen in me, received from me, and learned what you have heard, seen, received, and learned, those four things, practice these things, Philippians 4, 9. And then he finishes by saying, and the God of peace shall be with you. And so this same father standing in the living room would say, Son, everything that you heard from me, learned from me, received from me, seen in me, if you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. Now this is an important aspect of mature Christian leadership. We don't extract ourselves from the sequencing. In fact, we put ourselves in the sequencing and say, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. And so if a leader does not copy himself into another person, then that Christian mission will be hindered within his sphere of, within his sphere of influence. Imagine a dad who, who does not uh, disciple his children well, then the Christian mission will be dramatically hindered within that sphere of context, meaning within his family. And so every person, whatever their sphere of context is, we have a responsibility to impact that context, not just with the things that we teach, but by the life that we live. And so if a teenager, 14, 15-year-old teenager... If he is not exporting his Christian life to his sphere, sphere of influence, then his sphere of influence will grow dysfunctionally. And so what he wants to do is stand tall, like a light on a hill. He wants to be that example uh, to those who are around him. And as they look at that example, it has that gravitational pull as they see Christ in him. And so he's replicating his life to these other people, to his sphere of influence. And as he is modeling the gospel, he can begin doing the work of teaching. A Christian leader is always thinking about how to export his Christ's life to another individual so that person can be Christ-like to others. And though we are all different in how we accomplish these things because we have different personalities, we have different temperaments, we have different gift mixes, different gift sets, uh, we are on different places on the Christian maturation spectrum. You can be young in the Lord, you can be old in the Lord, but you're still a leader. You're still a Christian leader. But because of these differences with all of us, we are going to lead differently, but we all have the same call. And the same call is to go and make disciples. Now, again, that's Matthew 28. 19 and 20, and I would imagine that most of you know that, but I want to share it with you now. Jesus is talking. This is at the very end of his earthly ministry, and he said, Go, 
therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. You see, there are some questions that you don't need to ask people. Some questions are just plain redundant, and so you don't ask. Like one of those questions is, uh, do you worship? We already know the answer to the question. Uh, we're, we're wired to worship. And so you can skip to the second question. The second question is not, do you worship? Every human saved or lost worship is, wor- worships. And so you skip to the second question, and it's what? It is, what do you worship or who do you worship? Well, leadership is very similar. You don't have to ask a person, are they leading? Are you influencing somebody? Are you affecting somebody? Are you having an impact on somebody? Uh, Are you leaving a residual impact, uh, influence? Uh, Are people absorbing you? Well, the answer answer to that is yes to every question that I just asked. So you can skip that question. Are you a leader? Well, of course you are. The question that we want to ask is whether you are a good leader or not. Now, God has called all his children to lead. Whether they know it or not, they are leading. And that's why I wanted to say this aloud, because some people may not have framed it that way and realize, oh, wow, if you put it in that context, then I do lead. I lead every day, and there's really no other option. I am a leader, and so now I need to think about how am I leading? And though we all do it differently, though we all have differing leadership gifts, there is one common thread that weaves through the body of Christ, and that is every person at your church meeting on Sunday morning and every other Christian that you know is leading. And again, I'm not suggesting that everyone is leading well. I'm sure that we all have our stories of people, of leaders who have not led us well, and we have been affected adversely by that. The most basic idea of leadership is replication. I mean, it's almost like leadership and replication are synonyms because the word leadership implies followers. And so if you are leading, people are following, so you are replicating something. And so it's important to understand leadership is not an autonomous, freestanding, independent word that's not connected to any other word. There's actually a word cloud that gathers around the word leadership, and one of those words is replication. You can't get you, you can't get away from leadership without bumping into replication because they're almost synonymous. Paul talked about it this way in 2 Timothy 2.2. He said, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who can go and do likewise. He, he understood this replication effect. And so whether he said in Philippians 4.9, What you have heard and seen and learned and received from me, practice those things and the God of peace will be with you. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, Follow me as I follow Christ. In 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, What you heard from me, commit to faithful men who can do likewise. He saw this secret 
sequencing. He understood what discipleship was, and, and he was right in the middle of it, exporting his life, his Christ's life, to the next person that was closest to him. Now, Christ said it differently from Paul, but it's still the theme is the same. Jesus taught his disciples to be like him. Of course, he's the primary objective for Christian leadership. Hey, be like Christ. As we model Christ, ultimately, we're pointing people toward Christ. And so what did Jesus do? He identified a group of people. He trained them up. He coached them up. Afterward, he died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He ascended to heaven, he, and he left his disciples to carry out his missional strategies. What did his disciples do? Well, they went and, and taught others to follow them as, as they followed Christ. And so Jesus left behind a Christ-like group of disciple-makers. Now, there is more to biblical leadership than replicating your Christ life into another person. But if there is not at least a replicating effect in your immediate sphere of influence, you will hinder the purposes of God even in succeeding generations. And so you and I must, must lead in such a way that it leaves a transformative effect of Christ on others. Any leadership activity that does not move a person toward Christ, then it's not biblical leadership. And there's no exceptions to that rule. I mean, there could be leadership, but biblical leadership, it moves people toward Christ. Husbands, for example, must influence their wives to love Christ more. A husband is assessing his wife, living with her in an understanding way, maybe to use Peter's language in chapter 3, verse 7. And so he's, he's assessing his wife, and he wants to cooperate with God and, and be part of the process. And so he is leading uh, by being Christ to her. Now, by the way, wives should be very similar to their husbands, winning their husbands over by their example. And so wives in that way have a leadership responsibility with their husbands. Parents do the same thing with children. Uh, parents are looking at their children and assessing them and seeing how uh, we can, can mobilize and, and help them to move closer to Christ. By the way, children, you should, as you get older, like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, Hopefully your parents are indoctrinating you this way that you want, and even if they're not and you're listening to this, I want you to start thinking this way. How can I be a means of grace in my parents' life? How can I lead? I don't want you to despise your youth. Again, I don't want you to disqualify yourself from leadership because you're only 12 no, if you are a Christian, you are a leader, and, and whoever is in your sphere of influence, maybe your parents aren't good at repenting. Maybe your parents aren't good at confessing their sin. What about if you were? Lead them by your example. Let the Holy Spirit work through you and bring, 
non-human manipulative conviction in their hearts as the Spirit of God addresses what is deficient in their lives as they see your exemplary example of Christ-likeness in the home. Now, part of the reason that all Christians are leaders is because God made us in His image. God is a leader. God leads. And because God leads and He made us in His image, it is, it is, an incommunic- it is a communicable attribute, something that has been communicated to us. We are different than the beast of the field. We have the ability to, to affect lives, to communicate. Uh, we have the ability to, le- to lead because we are made in the image of God. And Jesus was the uh, best example of that, obviously, as we see his life lived out uh, on earth. And I'm not talking about just having any effect on someone. When I say impact, influence, impact, uh, uh, affect people, I'm not talking about just having any effect because we all can impact a life for good or bad merely by being ourselves. But my point here is something (laughs) different than that. I am talking about an otherworldly, spirit-empowered, special gift of leadership given by God for the express purpose of replicating the Christ life into another human being. Now, that perspective is narrow in scope because it is a God-given gift to Christians, but it is expansive in its redemptive outcome. It is profound in the effect that it can have in people's lives, even though it is narrow. It is a gift that is given uh, to us from God. And so Christian leadership means that the believer is on a mission from God, which is completely different than another type of leader who is trying to impact and influence other people for self-serving purposes. We're not talking about that at all. We are talking about being on mission for God to go and to impact as many lives as we possibly can to help them to become more and more Christ-like. Now, as you study, if you, as you think about, well, what are some of the tools that you need in order to pull this off and to be a mature Christian leader? Well, there are several. I talked earlier about all these building blocks of, of a mature Christian leader. And and when they all come together and build this structure, at the very top is a person who is really impacting people for Christ. Well, two of the more essential of those building blocks are example and expertise. Those are two of the more critical of those building blocks. Now, I've already talked about example, but I, I want to highlight it here because it's just that important and part in the redundancy, but to lead anyone well, you must be the most precise possible imitation of the person that you want others to emulate. Now, the person that we want others to emulate is Christ. And so our example becomes huge. And I talked about the sequencing earlier that we can't extract ourselves from the process 
The dad can't stand in the living room and say, straighten up and fly right when the dad is not straighten up and fly right. So you can't skirt around this idea of example or emulating or modeling or imitation. Being the example of the people or, or the person that we want others to be is absolutely essential. And you probably have heard some version of this as people look at somebody's life and they say, well, if that is Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. What are they saying? They're looking at the example. And so if, if our only goal is to teach people how to be like Christ and our example of Christ doesn't matter, well, our a picture is worth a thousand words, and the example that we give is going to disqualify virtually all the teaching that we try to put forth. And so two of the essential building blocks to become a mature Christian leader that is replicating other people into Christ's likeness, well, the first one is our example. We can't extract ourselves from the sequence. And then the second one is our expertise. And, and what I mean is having a skill of discipleship. Uh, we want to have a skill to be able to disciple others. Now, this is why our ministry exists. Uh, we exist to come alongside other Christians to give them resources to help them to grow in doing life over coffee. We want to build resources like what I'm doing here. I trust it will spur you on uh, to love and good works. I trust it will encourage you. It will help you, maybe even convict you if necessary. Uh, but, but that is the heart because I, I recognize that I've recognized for a long time that within the Christian world, uh, it is easier to acquire knowledge about the Bible than it is to know how to apply the Bible practically on Tuesday afternoon in your living room. It's much easier to go to a Bible study and, and learn the nugget of the day or, or exegete a, a passage of Scripture and, and, and learn what that text means from an academic knowledge perspective, which is essential, by the way, absolutely essential. But there can be a disconnect between the knowledge that we possess and, and the practicalization of that knowledge in everyday our everyday functional lives. And so there is orthodoxy and there's orthopraxy. And for many Christians, the orthopraxy is weak. We're not experts at disciple making. And so if you want to be a disciple maker where you are replicating your Christ's life into other people, that is the litmus test, two of the core building blocks that you need are the example and then the expertise. Now, if we can help you in the expertise, then please come to lifeovercoffee.com. And the, the resources are there, and we're continuing to build resources every week of our lives. And again, they're free to you, so enjoy them, partake, peruse, benefit, apply, and share. Now, as I wrap up, I want to share a few leadership concepts that universally apply to all of us. 
the pastor and the plumber can impl implement these truths within their spheres, hopefully impacting more future leaders for Christ. The stay-at-home mom and the corporate executive will benefit from these idea ideas too. And so I just want to mention six things this is not an exhaustive list of leadership tips. I did talk about uh, example and expertise, and now I want to add six more ideas to those, hoping that it will give you somewhat of a structure of what mature Christian leadership looks like. So in no particular order, the first one is talking about leadership. You're looking for the presence of leadership, not the perfection of it. And there is a difference. All image bearers are leaders, but what you don't want to assume is that every image bearer is a fully actualized leader. It's just not true. None of us have perfected our leadership gift. And so my point here is that you're not looking for the perfection of a leadership gift, whether it's in yourself or if it's in another person. But what you're looking for is the presence of leadership. Does this person have the presence of leadership? What do they need to grow and mature as a leader? Rarely do people come to you with a perfected gift of leadership. I mean, who has perfected their leadership gifts? Not me, and I'm sure not you. And so we don't want to think that that. I can only be useful in God's economy if I perfected my leadership gift. No, you're looking for the presence of leadership. And so rather than focusing on where you fall short or where maybe somebody else falls short, what you want to do is identify their strengths and help them to mature. Uh, you're looking for the gift of leadership, even if it's in the most diminutive and undeveloped form. For example, my daughter has a knack for leading. Both of our girls and our son, too, all three of our children, have a knack for leading, but, but they have not perfected that yet. And so I don't have an elevated expectation on them, but I do see the presence of leadership gifting in them. And it's exciting and challenging to direct their paths differently according to how God has gifted them. And so my job as a disciple maker is to come alongside our children and help to develop and grow them in their gifting with a Godward orientation. And so I don't have an expectation that they have perfected leadership and they're everything that they should be, could be. But I do see the presence of certain qualities and I want to fan that flame and help to encourage them. And so as you're assessing people and looking at leaders, embryonic leaders, uh, you want to find those qualities and continue to enhance them. And don't be so strung out or don't be disappointed because they haven't perfected their leadership gifting yet. Neither, neither have you. Number two, all spouses are leaders. Now, I've already made this case, but I, I wanted to put it in its own space because it needs to be. If you are married, you are a leader. Now, your gift might not be as pronounced as the most exceptional leader that you know, but you're still a leader. 
If you're a spouse, you are a leader. God has called you to lead your spouse. You have children. He's called you to lead your children. A spouse and a parent's responsibility is to lead their family to the fullness that God intends for them to be. Now, when I talk about a wife leading, I'm not talking about her being the head of the house. I don't mean that at all. But I, I do mean that her husband is ribless, Adam is without a rib, and Eve is that rib, that perfect complement for, uh, for her husband. And so there is a leadership quality that she has, and so in that secondary hierarchical way, she has the ability to lead in ways uh, that can be instructive and helpful to her husband, even though he is the hierarchical leader in the home. Some people really get confused on this, and it saddens me because uh, wives have a tremendous opportunity and responsibility to, to come alongside their husbands and to help them, and that is a leadership role, but I'm not talking about in a hierarchical sense to where you are leading the husband around. And so if you are a spouse, all spouses are leaders. Number three, leadership is consistent. A true leader is consistent in their leadership endeavors. Now, this idea means that they're not just leaders at the office. If they lead at the office and do not lead at the home, they are abusing their gift by not bringing glory to God or by serving their family. It is a compartmentalized type of leadership that points to a character flaw in that leader. If you can only lead in one sphere of your life, you are inconsistent. Mature biblical leadership is consistent leadership that acts out in every sphere of the leader's life, whether home or office. And if that character flaw is in the leader, then the leader needs to confess that sin to God and needs to confess that sin to all the affected others and needs to begin a repentance process. Next, character is most vital. Perhaps you've heard someone getting a job because of their ability, but you knew there were character flaws in the person. Uh, this approach actually is very common when hiring staff in a local church. In many of these cases, the hire proves to be a relational disaster because character was not the primary thing they were looking at gifting. I mean, you could have Liberace as your piano player at church, and it may create a joyful noise, but it will devastate the church. If a person's public gifting is the primary criterion for hiring or promotion, disappointment will follow. This point is character is most vital when it comes to leadership development, whether it's your leadership or the folks that you are discipling. I want to talk now about leadership in dating because that is another sphere where leadership uh, is, is absolutely essential. Uh, girls, take note of what your boyfriend does with you during the dating season. Now, I have an article on our website titled, Sex Before Marriage is the Beginning of a Trail of Tears. I'm not going to get into that here. You can click on it. You can search it and find it and read it, and that would be great. Girls, 
if he is not leading you spiritually before you are married, things won't be any different after you tie the knot. Some people in their dating relationship will dichotomize the dating from the future marriage. And so we have dating over here, we have future marriage over here, and the two things are completely different in their minds, not true. They see dating as a time for fun and their future marriage as a time for responsibility. These immature girls will assess their boyfriends on how much fun they have rather than how responsible he is. And boys will make a similar mistake. They will like her for her looks or how she makes them feel. Any relationship that has what's in it for me as the main thing, it's not going to end well. Their character, good or bad, will set a trajectory in your life that will reap a fruitful harvest or many bitter herbs. And then finally, number six, don't compare yourself. You're not Paul. When he stood in the middle of the living room and said, follow me as I follow Christ, it's like, eh, well, I'm not him. You're not Paul, neither am I, the great apostle to the Gentiles. So don't sweat it. Don't compare yourself. There was only one apostle, Paul, and he had a pronounced leadership gift. Perhaps you have someone else in your sight lines with whom you compare yourself. Don't be naive. Don't be immature. It doesn't serve you to compare yourself to anyone unless you're squaring yourself up to Jesus. He's the only one that you really want to compare yourself to, and that's where everybody falls short. The better question than comparing yourself to other people is how are you honoring God with what he has given you? How are you honoring God with what he has given you? So don't compare yourself with others. I've titled this, what is the litmus test for a leader? The litmus test is your ability to go out and make disciples, replicating your Christ life in the life of other individuals. There are several building blocks that you want to consider as you build your leadership structure to get to that point to where you are a biblical replicator. You're going out and making disciples. In this article, what is the litmus test for a leader, I have a whole list of questions, and they're quite long. And if you want to read those questions, then I want you to go to thelifeovercoffee.com, type litmus test in the search box, and there is a whole panel of discussion questions that will really benefit you. And so I would encourage you, if you want to take this a little deeper, there's several things that you can do here. Uh, you can go and read the article piece by piece. Uh, by the way, I didn't share everything in the article. I just gave you the highlights. There's a lot there. And then you can, of course, listen to the podcast, re uh, watch the video. Then you can uh, also uh, go through all of those questions, and there's quite a few questions. And then there are a lot of embedded links uh, in the uh, this article as well. And so you can click on those links and go throughout our website and do a whole lot more studying on this idea of leadership. Literally, you could spend a solid three months studying just this one article. So it will be an excellent resource for you. I trust you will share it with others because it could be a wonderful conversation as you all do life over coffee. Thank you so much, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.